lens a day. These are conversations about uh, information architecture. And today I get to talk to the lovely Dan Klein. Dan, it's always nice to see you. Likewise, the League of Dans. The it's, League of uh, Dans. It's so good when we can have a, a few Dans in a place together, the things we can do. It's uh, extraordinary. Yeah, not to mention bearded, bespectacled Dans. I mean, this, the world is our oyster. Um, so thanks for joining me. Uh, sure. I am uh, obviously have been cooped up too long and need an excuse to talk uh, to my friends uh, and uh, colleagues. And I uh, love talking about information architecture, uh, as you know. Um, and one of the things that I am increasingly intrigued by, even as long as uh, you and I have been doing this thing, is how hard IA is to explain to someone else, even when they know they need this uh, solution, they need this approach. It's yeah. sometimes hard to explain what this process entails. So what, what part of this process do you find most difficult to explain? Oh, wow. Um, uh, well, first of all, I think we should talk a little bit about explaining because there isn't, as far as I know, I've, I've done some looking, there isn't a degree that you can get in explaining. There isn't a class really that strips away all of the other stuff to, to, to focus on what explaining is. And then when you throw in white guys with a lot of privilege talking about stuff and the absolute, absolutely real phenomenon of mansplaining, I think explanation is just a incredibly unprobed or underprobed, under-understood, mistaken enterprise. And it's, I, I've spent a lot of time as an information architect boasting about how understanding precedes action. So let's understand stuff together through information architecture and then we can act well. Okay. But the, the pre, the, what comes before understanding is explaining and, and I, I think if you can explain something to somebody else and they then could explain it to somebody else, then you've done it. And I think that's where it falls down is we'll find an advocate in an organization who's got their little heart flag flapping in the breeze of IA and, and they, they get it. Um, and then we explain to them our take on it because it doesn't belong to anyone and it isn't codified in a way that's easy to, to just say, oh yeah, we're going to do the IA, um, but that doesn't mean anything. So, so I think it's the breakdown between internal organization and I, uh, much like you, work as a consultant. So we're guests in another context, and there's somebody in the in the context of the client who's excited about it, who gets it, who wants it, who knows it, but we haven't even explained ourselves well enough to them, right? Let alone for them to turn around and say, oh, "So, what is?" What's the IA project doing? Uh, well, we're we're reconciling. Somebody on the internet uh, said that all information architecture is retcon. Changes in the in the in the universe, in the graphic universe, in the thing that where people are. 
there's a story there and then something in the story changed or needs to change and so we're backing a structure or an explanation into okay this is the nature of the change and then given the nature of the change these are the structural interventions that need to be made uh it's hard to explain it's yeah, super I mean, hard to explain and I, I one of the things i like about what you're saying is that uh and this is something that we've observed since starting this kind of work which is when you start talking about uh a superficial aspect of information architecture like labeling you very very quickly dig into uh, some of the more fundamental aspects of the organization, the group, the set of people, the work, the process, whatever it is yep. that you are uh, applying this design to, such that uh, it becomes almost uh, a, a process of um, uh, re-identifying yourself and uh, or an existential process to the yes. point where that's very, very painful, I think, uh, for people. I mean, we see how passionate people go, become about retconning their favorite fictional universes. Not Now we're coming into their organizations and asking to retcon that as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and livelihoods are at stake. The ability of the organization to prosper is at stake. And, and because it is epistemological, and ontological and all these words that nobody thinks they want to hear i think part of us part of the explanation gap is a preemptive and ultimately pretty like a parochial paternalistic kind of sense that well we can't really call it what it is we're not we're not really going to 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 address the 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 match between the philosophy of the founders, the structure of the leadership and the shape of the product. Like, but that's actually what we're gonna do. But we, I, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I won't accuse anyone. I'll just say that in my cowardice, I pull that punch and try to say that it's something else. But really, no, we're, we're gonna go deep, deep into the, we're gonna go into the slower moving layers of this organization and we're gonna talk about what things mean and what the world is. And if we're, if, we, if we're successful, the worldness of the world will be alive and vibrant in the thingness of the things that we make. And right there, it's just like, y'all uh, yes. are talking crazy talk. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, uh, a lot of times it's like, I, that sounds great. Just tell me what the is going to be. Just, just tell me what the labels are going to be. So yeah, and and think of all the harm we've done, Dan, yeah. uh, as Dan's, by abstracting those labels. I used to, I used to just sing to my students of, you don't understand how beautiful information architecture is. We can strip everything out of its context and nerd out on it just as lists, and right. we'll set aside the aesthetics and we'll set aside all of the emotionality of really is that what it looks like on the page? No, no, no page, just label. Just and label. then other label. Yes. And the only place in the world that labels exist outside of context is in the misguided uh, activities of the information architect. Right. In every other part of the known universe, a label only exists in contexts. And here we are ripping them out of their contexts uh, trying to know stuff about them. It's dangerous and it's 
weird and uh, we should be ashamed of ourselves. And so in your consulting practice, what steps do you take? What tools do you use? What techniques do you, do you use to ground, if not just yourself and the whole team to uh, remind us of the context in which we are working? Yeah, I agree with you that I think IAs sometimes have the ability, try to have the ability <laughs> to remove something of from its context so they can work with it, but also yeah. not completely forget about that context. That's right. No, when we're we're do I was exaggerating, of course. When we're doing it right, yeah, that abstraction is toward reintegration with the literal. Right. But there's that moment when it's not in literal land. Uh so I think one of the things that I've tried to do as a project leader or as a practice lead is to help give everybody permission to be in their own body mm. and to, to, to try to bring everything back to, but there's a person in a body in a place that is encountering this problem, that is the user, that is the stakeholder to, to try to make uh, uh, most of my thinking is is infected with Worman ways of thinking. And for him, it was always, uh, it always has to be sticky because uh, he doesn't write anything down. Uh, PPP, people in a place engaged in a process. I like that. To, 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 to just try to always bring it back to, to the PPP, uh, which is not the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, so, so maybe we need to not call it that, but other than that, uh, I, I it's, like so, that. it's so it's so it's it's I don't have I don't have a good answer. Uh, no, no, but, but that's I, where it starts is to say in our uh, the person who's accessing this. So it's an intranet, uh, something that we both love, right? The the internet doesn't work. People can't find things. Right. So we'll put together a mock-up of of a different way of construing the relationships, a different way of situating the elements in a new kind of a space. And then we put somebody in, uh, we, we recruit a user, and then we take them through some paces in this speculative world. And, uh, and an, another just tiny, and that's not good enough, but fail safe, because that's dangerous. That's, that's, I can make that test say anything that I want. I can make that person right. do anything that I want. Right. So trying to remind myself and the team always that our tests need to have the possibility, if not the likelihood of failure in how they're construed right. or else we are uh, indulging ourselves in, in, in fantasies. Uh, right. And we're always doing that, but we need to reduce that. And so in working with this user and testing a prototype, just trying to, to emphasize the, the permission that everybody has to, uh, set that up in a way where you're going to learn more from failure than you are going to bask in the confirmation. Right. And like that, that is not something that's easy to sell, like in your scope of work to the organization. So these parts here, these 40 hours, we're probably going to throw most of those away. Right. Ultimately. And that's going to be the most valuable trash can uh, this quarter is right. all the things we'll know not to do. Um, and so, we'll yeah, throw I, all I, of that work away in the space of one hour of testing with yeah, this person. Yeah, but. yeah. Our 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 uh, palace in in the sky and in, in in pretend land will absolutely 
collapse in the face of what a real person in a real place who has to enact a real process is up against. So yeah, uh, being more about the, not more, but, but making ample room for the, for everybody to know that we're not nailing it always, that we are exploring, that we are, uh, uh, humbly trying to figure something out, not, uh, gloriously conquering uh as as a younger uh either of us probably marched into those rooms like god damn it we're gonna fix all the broken shit so um i love the phrase that you use uh use ppp but but there was something else that you said that's similar that resonated almost even more with me uh we tried to bring everything back to there's a person in a body in a place and i like the embodiment aspect of it and it sort of brings us to the lens uh, yep. that you chose for our conversation. Can you um, tell us what lens did you pick and how would you describe this in your own words? Well, I picked the, uh, it's in the how to explain, uh, which Ironically. which absolutely, right? Like <laughs> given my, my diatribe, of course it's in that grouping of, of the lenses and it's the one called reflection of reality. Mm. And back to that, that that thing that Andrea uh, Rasmini and I uh, really befuddle each other and and our audiences with, like, no, you, the worldness of the world uh, that needs to show up in the thingness of the thing, um, the reflection of reality, and and the way that you wrote this, the second bullet in particular, is is just be, I'm not. Please, nobody throw away your whole deck of cards. But if you needed to pick one, I'm going to say this is the one. Um, what or whose view of reality are you using to drive the structure? Why yeah, does that because, resonate with you? What is that? Uh, so there is the end use uh, vantage point, uh, that view of reality. There's the stakeholder who will only be rewarded if certain outcomes manifest in some parts of a world, there are uh, unintentional uh, participants in the ecosystem who all have, it's the blind men and the elephant and the, the reflection of reality needing to be multivariate, needing to be uh, polyvocal, needing to be, uh, for everybody to understand that structure is always toward something. There's no neutral anything anywhere. And so we're gonna make trade-offs. This structure can't equally, you know, picture that I have a watermelon, a muskmelon, a peach, and a strawberry. And you're, you're not gonna put the same structural underpinning to hold, I mean, the picnic table is a bad, where I'm sitting right now, that's where this is coming from. This picnic table is not a great structure for for addressing the unique uh, gravitational challenge of each of those. And we're overbuilt for the second half of the list and we're we're still overbuilt for the first part of the list. So trying to articulate structure, that's anybody who works with eight shapes or with the understanding group or with has information architects and calls them that it's only because somebody understands that structure can be uh, an active participant in 
making certain outcomes happen more than others. And so the different views of reality um, reflecting like a jewel when you rotate it, it's reflecting all diff many different aspects of, of, of a current reality that we, the trick is to make structures that are good. What does good mean? That it supported the things well. Uh, so what are the things? Well, we won't know until we have multiple points of view, multiple stakeholders, multiple designers, multiple test subjects. And, and one of the things I was most proud of in sort of putting together how Tug does what Tug does, something uh, that I developed uh, with Abby Covert when she worked with us, is a process for the more the upfront strategic planning that works better the more stakeholders you include. Just like, oh. Yes. Back to a reflection of reality, I can cherry pick the marketing lady, the, the, the dude bro in dev and the, 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 the business guy, you know, and like have the dream team of stakeholders who get it and please them and then the structure the reflect, to reflect those three people's reality. I've done that and, and businesses fail when you do that. Right. Um, Right. I reinvented the checkout for TJ Maxx with my team to make the checkout conversion process so great. We won awards. The whole website, the whole e-business for TJ Maxx, this is back in 2002, shut down like six months after we created the best checkout in the world because checkout wasn't the, wasn't the problem. <laughs> so, so the, yeah, back to the humility of we are making structure. Um, it's not going to be perfect. And so how can we balance the, you know, how much strawberry centric are we in our structure? How, how, much, how much does the watermelon team have to say in ultimately what we construct? And uh, that's hard, multiple realities. Back to the core problem of it's hard to explain. Um, whose explanation of reality are you using to drive the structure? Um, not everyone's. Right. Can you think of a recent example where this lens was relevant in your work or you applied this lens to kind of balance out, um, you know, so as we were talking about, it's kind of the abstracted view of the labeling or the categorization or the concepts with a much more grounded reality reflective view? Um, well, I think the word compromises in the first bullet on this card, I think that's the when I think about the uh, consequence. So if you adopt the point of view in this card that um, structure is towards something, not all views of reality are the drivers of decisions about structure, then how can you make that be good uh, given that some people are going to be off in the trade, in the trade off, uh, somebody's off. And, uh, and so I've, I've used the scoping of projects to try to protect against the non-reality that I know is going on. Um, stakeholder really wants to get something good done. It's not gonna address all of the problems and we know it. Um, that that is not hidden. Um, so again, I'm working mostly, uh, mostly I'm on sabbatical, uh, working on a biography of Richard Saul Werman, but I do about 20% of my time is still helping Tug 
talk to customers and find a good fit between what we can do as information architects and the problems they have in the world. So I'm routinely involved in putting the dash line on the scope, knowing that on the other side of that dash line is stuff that absolutely is relevant to would change the decisions that we would make. Right. Uh, but, but we only have so much time and, and so much uh, uh, attention and, you know, there are limited, there are limits to what we can do. So I think being a trusted advisor to business includes telling them what they don't want to hear. And so in the, I'm trying now doing, since I'm doing less of the practice of solving the, the actual problem and more like, what is the problem of engaging together with, with, with somebody who needs information architecture work done on their thing? It's the trying to be more uh, honest about the reflections of reality that are missing. Um, the non-diversity of my team, the uh, lack of budget for adequate uh, iterations through testing. Um, the more honest we, the more honest our explanations about who we are and how we show up and what the what the expectations can honestly be for our work, I think is uh, is all. This is all before the 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 delivery team even makes their first spreadsheet. Right. There is a reflection of reality thing and how it gets sold, how it gets socialized, how the teams get activated where if we're not going to be perfect perfect so let's be honest and uh uh again back to the pollution of all of my thoughts with the ways of thinking of richard saul Werman. he he he's a real weirdo because he, he really prefers it when it's difficult when you're having the unpleasant conversation because he's learned that that's where all the value is so the, the current reality of, God, this is going to be the worst when I tell them that scope for their budget is not going to cover A and B, and they really, really need A and B in order to satisfy X and Y, uh, to try to, to embrace the unpleasant parts of, when you're reflecting an unpleasant reality, to, to take some comfort, it's cold, it's terrible, uh, not very good tasting comfort that uh, you know you're in a good, you know you're where value is because that's why it's uncomfortable. Because we didn't talk about the, the loss of value to this project by you saying you can't afford to test in the EU when that's 30% of your users and 15% of the stakeholders. Just, just all that like unpleasantness of the relationships between deliverers of the service and the people who are asking for it um, to have all of that reflect reality, I think is uh, hard. And, and thinking of where do olds go in our field, uh, there's the coaching path. There's the keep uh, chipping away at developing more and better ways of doing practice. I think the, there's a, another whole realm of, uh, truthful business process and selling software that information architects could could contribute to if we wanted to. I really appreciated how you took the germ of this perspective and this card, this little card, and brought it to other aspects, right? The intent was to look at a structure that I'm designing and ask myself these questions about where, how does this compare to what reality is in so far as what people expect 
but I think some of the other things that you're uh, bringing to bear are reality includes um, constraints and truths and um, perspectives that may not be uh, self-evident or may be difficult for us uh, to talk about or uh, incorporate. So uh, my last question uh, that I've been asking everyone, I think you touched on this a little bit, is um, as we get into that latter half of our uh, careers, uh, I find myself um, coaching uh, and uh, leading a lot more. Um, yep. How I learn, you know, this, this deck of lenses, everything that you just talked about, these are things that you and I learned kind of on the road uh, to getting here. And I think today's designers, designers get just getting into the field today, IAs just getting into the field today, um, don't have, haven't had the benefit, the privilege of um, uh, that kind of school of hard knocks, so to speak. Um, so we're, uh, I feel obligated to help them understand that. Yeah. So my question is, if you were advising someone on your team on how to bring this perspective, this reflection of reality perspective to bear on their work, what practical, if any, pragmatic tips would you give them or what advice would you give them to do so? Yeah, well, in the, uh, there's something that Jason Fried said. Um, no, it's not something, it's something he reported on. Okay. Uh, he, he went to, he was at a conference that Richard was at and Richard did a typical Richard talk. Yes. Doesn't, it, your, your mileage may vary in the audience yes. for that. And, and Freed ca came at him after he was done with his talk. When Richard was done with his talk, Freed like came at him, like had some things that he wanted to say and, and, and Richard slowed him down. This is all reported by Freed. I wasn't there and said, well, great, but would you give it five minutes? Would you, would you give it five minutes? And, and I, 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 I'm, I was that, I'm still that guy. Right. I, ch I've, I've chased people after their talk because I wanted, I have this thing I need to say, I need to hear, I need to clarify. And so in this reflection of reality, anyone doing info architectural work is going to hear things if you're investigating reality, if you're not taking it at face value. The architect Lou Khan said, you know, architects, we're not, we're not pharmacists. We don't take the list from the client and then fill it, right? Like sometimes we have to tear up the list. Um, so, so in that listening, in that what is real, every info architectural act depends on feedback from a system or from a person or from a person in a place in a body doing a process to not to not just believe it to not to not not believe it but not to to have the hair come on fire right when you hear i've been so distracted by hearing something either orthogonal to what i was expecting to hear or excited that somebody seems to be validating right. and reifying yes. my own take Yes, I get so excited by that, that I don't hear the next 30 seconds of what they said. And if, if we're not always recording, oh, by the way, always be recording. But so I would just encourage anyone, uh, and this is probably equally good for the olds and the youngs, but 
you are in a position of hearing and seeing and auditing and and to be able to do that without reacting to it at least for five minutes to be present with what you heard and to not have a point of view on it immediately because you know that reality is uh multivariate multifaceted and that even if you just heard the best thing that is so going to uh, complement the thing you want to do. Um, just give give it five minutes. Let it uh, let it let it not be uh, a match to the gas can of you every time something comes at you from the environment. Which, That's great. Which is hard, yeah. especially when we're doing this all day. Right. What a great when I'm doing this all day. <laughs> What a great piece of advice. Just generally, about, give it five minutes. I love that. Um, yeah, I, and, 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 and sadly, uh, Freed doesn't appear to have done that no. in the recent uh, turn of events. No. So it's a lesson we have to rehear and relearn. Even if I know it today, I may not, I might be so caught up in my own self-aggrandizing right. the praise from the client, you know, uh, that I don't. But right. but let's let's every so often let's let's have a little check in with your Dan's or your your Abby's or whoever you you talk with and and talk about how do we not always be reacting? How do we always not be performing? How do we always not be opining? How do we be in a place with a person and their process in our bodies and not be solving a problem? That's I, I'm the kind of person that. Um, uh, or I would I would go to conferences or be on projects and see my colleagues have an immediate thought about something. And I, I always, I, that was not me. I just uh, was never the kind of person to, um, you know, 90% of the time, I just didn't have an immediate reaction to something. And I understand now that that is not a bug, but a feature. Oh, it's a blessing, Dan. And, um, and now I look at people who... Um, and I understand there's just different ways people's brains react uh, to things. And I try and be patient and understanding about these, but there are, uh, I think of them as people who have opinions about everything. And sometimes I wonder like, wouldn't it, wouldn't you just feel better if you didn't have an opinion about every little thing uh, that, that happened? Uh, and sometimes it's not that, or it's not the other thing. It's just give it five minutes and then, let these things percolate, whether you have an immediate opinion or you don't. The explanation in real time, and this would be a great study, uh, and the same explanation of the same phenomenon or phenomena, I guarantee, even though I've not run the experiment, I can just, I'm just thinking about this, but I'm certain that the real time explanation of anything isn't as good as the five minutes later explanation of anything. Right. It just isn't. Right. And I think on that note, we will end. Dan, thank you so much for this conversation. I loved seeing you again and chatting with you again. And uh, you brought a lot of new and interesting perspectives. So thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to, I missed two years now that we haven't been in our uh, annual con, con, conflagurate, whatever it is, our, our annual get together of the information architects in the United States. And uh, I miss you and I can't wait to see you again sometime. I can't wait to see you again. All right, I'm going to stop the recording.